Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Are you ready? Then brace yourself. Let's go. It's time for the Bill Kasky Podcast, a weekly show carefully crafted to help you grow your skills and your results in business. Now, here's your host, Bill Kasky. Hey, comrades, welcome back. Bill Kasky here. Thank you for all of your very kind uh, comments and lessons uh, from the last podcast where I went deep with you on some things. And uh, if you did not listen to that, it's the prior episode. But I think uh, we need to do more of that, not only on this show, but in life. And I will continue to occasionally uh, spout from the heart. And uh, actually, this this episode today is a little bit like that, not going to go quite as deep. But I do think it's important that we understand how do we see the world? What is our perspective on our personal lives? What's our point of view on how things should occur? What's our point of view on suffering, on when we suffer, when we are down, when we feel like we just don't have the inspiration and the motivation? How do we look at that? How do we look at these things? And I want to talk today about the five elements of how we see the world that I think will help you. And I'm I'm going to get into a little bit of detail here. But this is all uh, content that we cover in almost all of our programming. Uh, If you're interested, you can go to BillKasky.com, find out a little bit more. There's also some free goodies there, too. But the problem is that if we don't take stock of how we see the world, then we're going to go through life with blinders on. And we're going to say, well, you know, this is the way I see the world. There's no other way to see the world. Well, the fact is that 10 people see the world in 10 different ways. Steve Jobs sees the world differently than I do or saw the world differently than I do. Everybody has a perspective and a point of view, and it all comes from how we were raised, how we were trained, our school, our culture, our parents, our grandparents, our first jobs, our first coach, coaches in our athletic lives. So it's a combination. It's a quilt. It's beautiful, really. It's a quilt of we are today. We see the world today with the perception of all the things that we've experienced But that still doesn't mean we're seeing the world through clear and fresh eyes. It means we're seeing the world from our past. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think, uh, as Dan Sullivan says, sometimes I think we just have to think about our thinking. I think we also have to look at our seeing. We have to look at and examine, how do we see the world? Do we see the world as a great big earth planet full of abundance and opportunity? Do we feel... Do we see the world through the eyes of scarcity and lack? And if I don't get this deal and somebody else does, that means he or she is going to beat me and I'm going to have less and they're going to have more. And I think when we start to look at how we see the world, the world changes. If we change the way we see something, the thing we see changes. And so the five elements I want to talk to you today starts with, and I wrote about this in the book, Same Game, New Rules, starts with how we see the world in terms of abundance. Do we see 
opportunity wherever we look. I think this is a problem for us because if we really saw opportunity everywhere, we would probably never get attached to any one deal. We would never have any fear because we'd say, you know what, if this person doesn't buy from me, no problem. Somebody else will. I want to serve. I want to be generous. I want to contribute. I want to bring value. I want to be a resource, whatever those words are. And if they want to buy, great. And if they don't, fine, because I know that the next person will. We all say that, but do we really believe it? Do we really in our heart believe that this world is abundant? So I want you to examine that point of view in your own life and ask yourself the question, do I see the world as a place of abundance or do I see the world as a place of scarcity where I have to get mine before somebody else gets mine? What is our point of view on detachment and attachment? I heard a psychotherapist the other day talk about, I can't remember uh, her name. If I, if I could recall it, I would tell you and, and, ref- and reference it. So, uh, but the notion that she had was that all of our suffering, all of our suffering in life comes as a result of our attachments, our deep desires. Oh, I really want this piece of business. This would be an awesome, it would be great income for me, and I would be a hero when I brought the order back, and I, uh, what do you do with the order? You kind of flip it around when you come in. The, it would be awesome, and then we don't get it. And we blame the customer and we blame this and blame that and blame the proposal writing people up in the, in the corner off. We blame all these things. Well, the real issue was we were attached. We were attached to an outcome. And so our disappointment comes because our desire was just too great. I'm not saying don't have desires, but once those desires become attachments and we identify with the outcome of getting the business or getting the deal or making the quota... It gets in our way. It turns people off. So this abundant creature that I had in number one there now is attached to everything. So you're obviously not feeling abundant. But how many times do you get attached to a sale? I think we do it a lot. I notice it a lot from the people I coach. And sometimes it's just a word here or there. They say, oh, yeah, this would be a great one for us. And I say, what would you just say? Oh, yeah, Bill, I'm, I'm attached to this. Okay, well, don't be. Release it. When you release it, it's more likely to come. It's more likely to to venture your way when you release it. But that's hard to do because we think we have control. We think we have control over everything. We don't have control over much at all. But if we have a lot of attachments around things we want, we will transfer that attachment into control. And I believe that the more detached we are does not mean disengaged. It does not mean I don't care whether the customer lives or dies or breathes or buys from me. It doesn't mean that. It just means I'm not enslaved by it. I'm not entangled by it. Number three is intent. High intent is where you are operating from a place of generosity and service. Low intent is when you're operating from a place of need and attachment, and what I want. You don't really care about what the customer wants. You care about what I want. And I see in professional selling today, especially in professional sales leadership, leadership gets really attached to deals. And I know why, because everybody's judged on metrics and measurements and numbers, and I understand. But if we would just be smart about our intent, 
I think our business would flourish. It would, we would prosper wilder than we would ever imagine. But we don't. Because again, we think we control things. So operating from a place of high intent is, look, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, you being the prospect. I'm going to share my expertise with you. I'm going to share how we would solve the problem or get you to the goal. I'm going to share all that. But at the end of the day, if you decide to do business with somebody else, I'm okay with that. I mean, you got to do what's right for you and what's right for your company. And, and we will live. We will live another day, and if we don't do business today, maybe this time next year we start up a relationship again. But I'm here to help you, and I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to be direct with you. I'm going to uh, pose some, some visions and some dreams maybe you're not thinking of. That's high intent. Low intent is, what do I need to say to get this deal? Where do I need to be price-wise to get this deal? I find that low intent is a margin buster. When you're operating from low intent, then you're going to discount. You're going to have to discount. Or the selling cycle is going to be god-awfully long. I don't want that for you. Number four, the buyer-seller dance. The BS dance, as I like to refer to it. The buyer-seller dance is the dance you go through with your buyer. It's the transactional dance you do when you are there uh, in front of them and you're, you're selling. You're in, a, in pitch mode. And there is a dance. And the dance is important to understand. Because if you don't understand it, you won't lead it properly. And the dance is all about the process. It's about the process you take people through. It's about the mindset that you have on the way through the process. It's about filtering out people who don't fit. That's a huge problem in American business today. If we close, I think the national average, and I've, I've quoted it a couple of times, I think it's like 10 to 15%, let's just say 15% of the deals we quote, we get. That means that 85% of the time, we're quoting deals that we're not getting. We're wasting time. A fraction of those, I'd say maybe, let's just say 50%, Weren't, you weren't going to get it anyway. You were never going to get it. Either they didn't have the money, they didn't have the, the, the brain power, they didn't have the desire, they didn't have the beliefs, whatever they didn't have, they didn't have. 50% of the rest of that you might have gotten had you done things right. So this is not about ever closing 100%. It's about narrowing your focus, only calling on those prospects who fit your demographic, who fit your psychographic, uh, we're going to do a podcast here uh, next time on the six six box framework for the ideal client, which I think is really important. But it's the idea that you should control the process, not the people, but the process. And as long as you're attached and feeling scarce, you won't control the process. You'll let the prospect control it. And that's not good because they're the ones that are sick. They're the ones with the pain. They're the ones with the goals. You can help them. You can get them there. You're the guide. So if you're the guide, why are you so damned attached to things? Because behind that person are five other prospects. Number five, what is your status? What is your status? Is it as an expert or is it as a salesperson? How are you positioning yourself when you go in or when you publish something online, when you produce a podcast, do a YouTube video, write an article, whatever those publishing points are? How are you positioning yourself as someone who's generous with our expertise or as someone who hasn't written an article ever and you're just there for the sale? 
I have a client who wrote a really good, I think it was called Five, the Five Trends Facing uh, This Business Area That He Is In. And he wrote this article. It was really good. He had a copywriter help him. Well, it cost him a couple hundred bucks to have this person edit and kind of modify it, tweak it, improve it, enrich it. And now when he goes in on the first call, he takes the article. It's got his picture on it. It's got his byline on it. It's got it's just one page front and back. It looks like it came out of Forbes or it looks like a reprint. And he had it done intentionally that way. He didn't use the word Forbes, but he he made it look like this was this came out of a magazine. He doesn't say it came out of a magazine, but it kind of looks that way as a reprint. And now when he is in front of the prospect and he's in a fairly long selling cycle, he leaves that after the first call. And actually he leaves three or four of them because he knows there's other people inside the company who would benefit by reading his article. So now when he comes back in for call number two, he's a published author. He is someone that they look to and say, man, you've got enough expertise. You put these words, these words together and these sentences and these paragraphs, and it was a cohesive structure and it helped me understand what I was, what I'm up against in terms of trends. Wow. We want to work with you. whatever it is, but you got to have the courage to do it. You've got to have the belief in your expertise. And it doesn't have to be if you've been in a business for a year, I don't care. You can find the expertise somewhere in your company. You can write about it. And now you get to hijack some of that expertise, put it under your brand. You're not saying you're the world's foremost authority. You're saying, I've got good stuff here and I've got value to bring and I've got a resource. I can educate you. So that's expert status. So those five elements are the most important five elements that you as a sales professional, if you want to get to the next level, the proverbial next level, you got to make that a checklist. And you've got to pay constant attention to those five areas. If you do, I can almost promise you your business will explode. If you want to talk to me about uh, the 2X group, we spend a lot of time on those five areas. In fact, that's the the primary curriculum. Uh, You can jump on a call with me. The uh, website is in the show notes. There's a a little survey, and it just asks you some questions about what you want to accomplish and who you are and what you're up to, and then we can schedule a call, and I'll be happy to tell you a little bit more about things that we have here that can help serve you as you look to grow your business the rest of this year and into next year. So I will talk to you all later. Hope you enjoyed this. Bye. If you want more Caskey, go to BillCaskey.com and you can get on his list or set up a time to speak live. And make sure you share this episode with your tribe too. 